Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, what's with all the extreme heat around the world this summer? Is it really another sign of global climate change? WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers explains the science in layman's terms. Also this morning, raise the bar, Hancock County still has a handful of openings remaining in their apprenticeship program, offering earn-while-you-learn career opportunities. Executive Director Trisha Velasque gives us the details. And MCPA's summer series continues, and special deals are available on the upcoming Main Stage in Family series at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Heather Klo will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, July 25th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is International Red Shoe Day. I know there's a story behind this, and I cannot remember for the life of me what the story is. There's a story behind International Red Shoe Day. Uh, So there is that. It is uh, National Hot Fudge Sunday Day. National Wine and Cheese Day, uh, National Carousel Day, <laughs> National Wine and Cheese Day. Little cheese with that wine about having to get up and go back to work on Monday. National Wine and Cheese Day, National Carousel Day, National Intern Day. It is Thread the Needle Day, Health and Happiness with Hypnosis Day. Culinarians Day, and it is National Hire a Veteran Day today. So let's make sure that we check that off of our uh, box of things uh, here. National Hire a Veteran Day today. So this story I saw on the uh, Newswire, and I thought, man, people in California are just the lawmakers in uh, California. Um, They really do... Uh, think a lot of themselves. <laughs> lawmakers in the state of California, they really do think a lot of themselves. A California state lawmaker, this is the story, California state lawmaker has proposed legislation that would require thousands of large companies to report what they pay their employees broken down by gender, race, and ethnicity. And the state plans to post the data online. Now, this has not been passed, should point that out. This is just proposed legislation. But uh, it is said to be an effort to combat inequity in pay uh, among gender, race, and ethnicity. Uh, Democratic State Senator Monique Limon, who has proposed the measure, tells Politico, it's very simple. You can't solve a problem where you can't see the data. Hiding the data doesn't get us anywhere. The bill would apply to California businesses with 250 or more employees, as well as any other company that size with anyone from California on its staff, regardless of where it is headquartered. Uh, Those companies would have to share pay data for its workers based in California. Uh, Dozens of industry associations opposed the proposed measure, saying the data would be misleading. It would uh, push some employers to leave the state. Opponents also say it would put too much blame on individual companies for pay disparities when larger societal factors, including access to education, are involved. And it would expose companies to costly litigation. 
which maybe one could argue is part of the point. But um, no, are they just I I see that story and as well intentioned as it may be, I see that and it's just one more example of how full of themselves <laughs> the lawmakers in California are. Uh, I, I there's just no other way to describe it. It's just a, a crazy law. I don't. I can't imagine. On the on that, my first thought is I can't imagine this measure passing. But then again, I think it's California. You never know. Speaking of uh, of California, here's another story out of the uh, Golden State. A judge in California has ordered the employer rating site Glassdoor to provide. New Zealand toy giant Zuru with the identities of users who gave negative negative reviews of their experiences working at the company. Uh, Zuru is a toy company in New Zealand now based in New Zealand. Uh, But they claim that the reviews are false. And again, this is a glass door. So glass door, in case you're not familiar as we mentioned, is an employee rating site. Kind of like Yelp. You go to Yelp and you get reviews of restaurants or hotels, what have you. Glassdoor allows employees to give ratings anonymously on their employer. So folks who are looking for a job, maybe looking for a job at employer XYZ, We'll look up XYZ on Glassdoor and find out what it's like, what it's really like to work at the company. And if employees, you know, say, hey, it's this great place to work. I love it here. Fantastic. But because it's anonymous, employees could say, well, this is a terrible place to work. Don't take a job here. And uh, so anyway, this uh, New Zealand toy company, Zuru, uh, claims that they have been the victim of false reviews. And that has cost them financially trying to combat the bad publicity and it's done harm to the company's reputation. They want the identities of the reviewers so that they can bring legal action against them for defamation. The reviews posted by an anonymous person or people called Zuru a toxic workplace and a burnout factory with incompetent management that consistently talks down to employees and treats them like dirt. So a very pointed review or reviews in this case. And Zuru wants to sue the reviewers. Um, The uh, judge, California judge, writing in his ruling, uh, finding in favor of Zuru, saying there is good reason to tread lightly in applying free speech principles in the U.S. to companies abroad. Our country's commitment to free speech isn't universally shared, and even in other countries that protect free speech, a different balance is often struck between the right to free speech and the right to protect one's reputation. Uh, Glassdoor said in a statement that it was deeply disappointed in the decision, saying the case was effectively decided under New Zealand's law, not U.S. law. So, it is kind of interesting, and... uh, that could, I don't know, could it spell doom for Glassdoor? I don't know, but uh, be careful what you say, even anonymously, 
uh, online because if this becomes precedent, <laughs> you uh, you could be sued. Uh, you say something nasty about a company, and they could sue to find out who you are and then sue you. It's interesting stuff. A couple of other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Monday morning. This is good news here. How many times have you answered your phone and somebody on the other end, a robocall, uh, this uh, recorded voice, wants to tell you about your car's extended warranty? And get those calls? Oh, I get those calls all the time. Well, the number of calls like that that you get should drop to zero soon. Thanks to our friends at the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC has cracked down on those robocalls and is ordering phone companies to permanently shut down any traffic related to those auto warranty robocalls. U.S. providers now must take all necessary steps to avoid carrying this robocall traffic. According to a statement from the FCC's robocall response team. <laughs> First of all, how would you like to work on the FCC's robocall response team? Hi, I'm from the FCC. I work for the robocall response team. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like an 80s TV show. Doesn't it? An 80s action TV show? The uh, robocall response team. Anyway, um... The uh, carriers must also directly show the FCC the measures they are taking to eliminate those pesky phone calls, meaning they can't just say they're doing something about it. They are being forced to actually do something about it and document such actions to the FCC. Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel explains customers are out of patience and I'm right there with them, she said, adding that these uh, spammers have been responsible for about eight billion unwanted calls since 2018 uh in 2021 it says your calls about one's extended car warranty were the top complaint at the fcc not only that these robocallers might be dragged to court following an investigation by the fcc's enforcement bureau in addition to a lawsuit filed by the ohio attorney general so you can thank the buckeye state for getting involved and Pushing this to the front of the line in terms of issues that the FCC is conveyed. Still, we are not totally out of the clear when it comes to robocalls in general. In the month of June, America's uh, Americans fielded 4.3 billion spam robocalls, which is an 8.5% increase from May. Wow. This 8.5% increase from May till June. This is prompting the FCC to come down on carriers who do uh, to do more to weed out those robocalls, most of whom uh, originate, most of which originate uns, uh, outside the country and wind up spoofing American numbers. They also gave uh, carriers permission to block those calls outright. No word yet if the FCC will also crack down on auto warranty spam text messages and emails and that kind of thing we can get rid of the robocalls that would be awesome that would be all kinds of awesome that if they successfully eliminate that scourge on on american culture uh i would say that is worth the price of admission then whoever is responsible for eliminating that problem that could be their life's legacy right there. That's, <laughs> you have done something good for the world. 
And uh, here's something to think about as you uh, get your morning started. You're just getting up, getting ready to go to work. If you have ever noticed that you look better in one color as opposed to another, there is a term for this. It is called color analysis, and it is the process of finding a color palette that goes best with your complexion. This is a process not new to fashionistas, but with the rise of professional color analyzing TikTokers and a handy filter, more people than ever now are finding out whether they fall into the spring, summer, autumn, or winter color palettes. Content involving the seasonal color analysis filter on TikTok has over 29 million views. So if you want to know what your color palette is, you can go to TikTok. Carol Braley is a professional color analyst, a color analyst, I should say, on TikTok, who says she has decades of experience in the business. Clients hire her to determine what their best color palette is. Uh, she looks at an array of photos that they submit and determines which colors look best on them. A virtual color analysis starts at $175, but her clients say it's worth it. Here's the thing. This is not just vanity speaking. One user says a recent video of hers. Um, one one. Uh, no, let's try that again. One recent um user of her services says i am a law student and i want to do this because it would probably help me in front of a judge and a jury there's more than just vanity here there is a, a practical side where you look good people will uh, take you seriously so i don't know i don't know what my color palette is uh i think my best color is anything that i'm not naked that's the uh, matter does it that's always what i've thought but anyway there you go uh so just something to think about you get your uh, monday morning started to hear some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your week wfin news i'm matt demchek your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 80 just a few clouds tonight a low of 60 the Finley Police Department has been testing out body cameras for its officers to see which company they would like to go with if they ultimately decide to implement them. We spoke with Finley Mayor Christina Mern. My overall opinion of body cameras is that they are a useful tool to build trust with the public and show the work that the officers do each and every day. The one concern that I have with it is the cost and the impact that that could have in difficult financial times. The three companies whose body cameras the city is testing out are Motorola, Utility, and Axon. You can get more of our conversation with the mayor about body cameras and how soon the police department might start using them on the website. A grand jury has indicted the Columbus man accused of raping and impregnating a 10-year-old girl who traveled to Indiana for an abortion that became a flashpoint in the national debate over access to the procedure. The 27-year-old defendant is charged with two felony counts of rape in an indictment filed in Franklin County. The case drew national attention when an Indianapolis doctor said the child had to go to Indiana because Ohio banned abortions at the first detectable fetal heartbeat after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling. Court records listed no attorney for the rape suspect. I'm Clay Gordon. 
Some families in Bowling Green will need to find a different way to get their kids to school because of a bus driver shortage. The district has changed its radius, qualifying students for transportation, from one to two miles. The superintendent says even with a $3 raise, they're struggling to get drivers. Currently, they have 11 full-time drivers for 20 routes. This change will drop down to 14 routes. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. After one week back up at the medium level, Hancock County has been dropped to the low level of community transmission of COVID as determined by the CDC. Putnam County and other area counties are at the medium level of transmission. Allen County is at the high level. You can see that full map on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, weather is often in the news, but the big story over the past week has been the weather overseas. Europe seeing the hottest temperatures they've ever seen in many parts of uh, that continent. And joining us this morning to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with all of this is uh, WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers. Obviously, not just uh, Europe. We've been uh, getting an awful lot of uh, warm temperatures uh, across much of this country as well, not just uh, Northwest Ohio, but like two thirds of the U.S. population has been baking over the course of the past week. No doubt about that. You, you think here we are, we're in the middle of July. It's summer. It's supposed to be hot. Well, yes and no. It just depends on how you look at this one. You are exactly right. Uh, back here closer to home, uh, we've had a couple days this week where we've estimated about 200 million Americans uh, at 90 degrees or warmer from coast to coast. We're talking from the Atlantic to the Pacific, including uh, some stifling triple-digit heat that has been stressing much of the nation's midsection from Texas up into Oklahoma, uh, where they've had uh, several weeks uh, consecutively where some areas have yeah. out over 100 degrees. And kind of what you were saying uh, is the key aspect of that. Yes, it's supposed to be uh, warm in the summertime. We get that every year, but it's the the fact that it is so widespread and so persistent that's really what's gotten everybody's attention right it certainly has and of course it always brings up you know the hot button issue what are we seeing in a in perspective with climate uh and particularly with a changing climate what if this is normal and expected and what is a little bit out of the norm right or in some instances just downright extreme and of course as we know just even a casual observer of the weather knows that it's a very complex process that's going on now you try to link this over time and over many different locations so let's put this in perspective you brought it up there uh, over toward europe and and specifically up toward uh, england and the united kingdom uh, in britain this week they experienced their hottest day that they've ever recorded in history and mind you a lot of their very detailed records go back into the 1700s they reached 104.4 degrees in london for the first time ever. Now, that far and surpasses that, the warmest they've ever recorded, which was uh, 101.7, which was just set three years ago back in July. And for perspective, again, I, I know a lot of folks have said, well, you know, heck, we get those kind of temperatures uh, in, in this sure. country fairly regularly, but uh, given where they are located on the planet. I think what their uh, uh, average high temperature in uh, this time of year is like mid-70s. 
It is exactly correct. Mid 70s. So it's the anomaly with this that's got scientists kind of perked up across the globe saying, all right, this type of heat wave, the magnitude, the intensity and the duration is not anything that we've seen in modern times. And it is not explainable simply due to regular changes in our weather and in our atmosphere. So that's so we look at it from. Yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, so that's really uh, what the the discussion is and what I want to have you kind of explain in layman's terms, sure. um, because the, the typical argument that you will hear or the uh, response you will hear is that, you know, these sort of anomalies will happen from time to time, which is true. Why do scientists believe this is not that? Right. Well, I'll give you really a clear, easy explanation, and then I'll get into kind of more technical terms with this one. If you add fertilizer to your lawn, the grass grows faster, greener, and more lush. You add greenhouse gases to your atmosphere, your atmosphere is going to be able to retain more heat. And that's probably the 10-second elevator speech on how climate can work in a general sense. And we're seeing that play out in certain aspects of climate. Now, we at WTOL 11 uh, try to focus purely on the science with this because we feel that this is an opportunity to educate people because not everything that we see or hear can be blamed on climate change. And that is fact. But there are some elements, changes that we've seen, especially over the past couple of decades, that we can actually detect and attribute to a changing climate. Now, I'll also stress this, climate changes both naturally and unnaturally. So there are natural climate cycles that our Earth goes through. And typically speaking, these climate cycles, they change on the order of uh, thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Some of the climate shifts that we're seeing, even more specifically recently, are happening on an order of a couple dozen years. Well, so in a temporal scale, this is a, a, at a rate that has never been seen before in modern times or in times that we can study through paleoclimatology, taking us back centuries and centuries, if not millennia. And that's really the the part of it that I think is, is interesting that, again, lay people sometimes overlook. And I know I haven't really thought about myself. And you were talking about this uh, on Facebook. You were posting about this on Facebook uh, the other day. Uh, and the typical response is, well, doesn't the planet go through cycles uh, with respect to uh, to climate, and it's the intensity and frequency is what I hear you saying that is uh, of concern. It, it is ex- exactly correct, and we've identified many characteristics that do change and have changed our climate. Uh, one of the, the big ones that usually comes out is, well, this is obviously uh, attributed to solar cycles and changes in the solar cycle. Well, we generally understand solar cycles and changes in solar cycles. And we've been able to trace and identify what those do to climate over time. And we've actually been able to then go back in history and see how solar cycles have changed and how we've had glacial periods and interglacial periods. And right. that partially can explain it. But that's on tens of thousands of years. We cannot explain some of the recent more extreme weather events based on any naturally occurring climate phenomenon. So that takes us to what is changing. And, and it is fact that 
we as humans, we create greenhouse gases by consumption and use of fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And adding that to our atmosphere at an alarming rate, just have to be honest with you, it changes the atmospheric composition. Even though it is a very small trace gas, carbon dioxide, methane, it has a very significant impact uh, that is one vital for life here on Earth, but also changing the imbalance of it can and will have some changes in our overall climate weather. So the big, uh, the big question then, as you lay this out, so that we can explain, you know, so that we can understand why sh- we should all uh, be concerned about this and be paying attention to this. But then you get into the uh, the question that uh, climate scientists alone. Uh, really can't answer and becomes the much larger question, which I know is uh, is another one that often comes up when we talk about climate change. Even if we uh, accept all of these things and that uh, and that human beings and uh, man's activity is is doing, if we're the only ones who are uh, trying to do something about it, if China is not doing anything, and you know the other industrialized uh, nations and other developing nations are not doing any, anything about it, uh, then how much of an impact can we have in order to try True. and slow this down? And that's you're—it's really nobody has a good answer for that, do they? Uh, and and it's very difficult, and that's challenging, and that's you know that's where the politics and the science right. actually meet. And unfortunately, and I'll and I'll be the first one to say this is a, it is very sad that it's become such a politicized issue because our goal here is simply just to educate people. We just want to look at the science and mm-hmm. talk about what we believe is occurring. And we feel that we've got a great opportunity and a great platform just to educate. And if you want to join along in the conversation I've got out there on my Facebook page, you can check it out, meteorologist Chris Vickers. I've answered many comments always very respectful and just saying, let's look at this from a scientific standpoint. Let's just learn it and grow together. The politics of it, let's just be honest, that always gets tricky in, in any aspect of politics. Right. I'll end with this on the political issue. My point is, we've got one Earth. We're best and destined to take care of that one Earth the best we can, no matter what we're talking about, climate or weather. We've got to ensure the health and, and, and happiness of our, uh, of our Earth for, for future generations as well. And if we can find better, easier, cleaner, more efficient ways of doing things, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. It makes sense. And ultimately, it's going to be better for our environment, which I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, and uh, we can do it with better technology, and we can do it with uh, you know better forms of energy. Really fascinating stuff there. Again, uh, Chris Vickers with us, uh, Chief Meteorologist, WTOL eleven, and uh, we'll have a link up on our webpage for more of the uh, discussion on his Facebook page. Chris, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Appreciate being with you guys. Stay cool this summer. Have a safe summer. So Raise the Bar Hancock County has a handful of openings still remaining in their apprenticeship program offering earn-while-you-learn career opportunities. It's a program that we've talked about before. Executive Director Trisha Velasquez is with us uh, once again this morning. Trisha, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me back. And happy Monday. Yeah, I know. It's already here. (laughs) Um, Before we talk a little bit about the apprenticeship program, uh, explain what Raise the Bar is for the benefit of those who may be late to the party here. What is it that you that you do and kind of give the philosophy of uh, Raise the Bar Hancock County? We're just changing how people learn about and prepare for Hancock County's careers now, in the future. 
We're working with the employers to better understand where their industry is heading so that we can make sure that there's training that exists in this community, whether you're in high school, middle school, even thinking far in advance, or those who are currently working and they need to upskill and find something different that's maybe better for them or their, you know, or what they're looking to achieve. The idea is to uh, make sure that we have a workforce that is prepared for the opportunities that are uh, available and, and others. This is also a part of attracting uh, you know, more uh, jobs to the area. Yeah, so it is. It is There's a dual focus. It is an economic development. Too. We are separate than economic development. Right. We raise the bar, but, but they have to go together because to attract new businesses and mm-hmm. to grow the economy, we need the the employees to work. Right, and the jobs are changing. Yeah. And as can you can imagine, it's kind of been fueled a little bit by COVID and technology changes and mm-hmm. just a different atmosphere when it comes to the workforce. And we've got to be able to be nimble and move. And there are some pathways that still work well, which is the apprenticeship one. And then there are other techniques that we have to try for different industries. So let's talk a little bit about the apprenticeship program in particular. Uh, Again, it's something that we've talked about uh, in the past, but this is, uh, as we said, an earn-while-you-learn type of opportunity. How does this work? Apprenticeships are one of the best ways for people to get into careers that show advancement. And it is designed to help an individual kind of get its feel for the manufacturing industry. They learn a little bit about a lot of different areas, mm-hmm. and then they get to apply those while at work. And they really figure out where their strengths are, maybe their opportunities to go back and get additional training to fill some gaps for their company. But it is a two-year program that they are employed by one of the sponsoring employers who invests in them. And they are paying for them to be an employee. They are paying for them to go to school and earn an associate's degree. And in today's world, we know the importance of having some sort of post-high school certificate mm-hmm. or degree. And this is one of those portable certificates that can carry a lot of value. What are some of the uh, employers that are participating in the apprenticeship program? We have a couple who have already filled, but the ones that are still looking to hire are Hitachi Astimo, which is a brake system um, producer here in the community. We also have Kalmbach Feeds, which is down in the upper um, Sandusky and Cary area. And then we also have um, Cooper Tire and Rubber Mold Operations, which is separate than their main facility. Mold Operations is out in Tall Timbers. Okay. Um, and the apprenticeship program itself is particularly for manufacturers. That is uh, correct. This, this particular pathway. But I was going to say, is that exclusively what raised the bar is? No. We are not just for manufacturing. That's where we've started our emphasis when we were first forming because... It's all, you know, take small bites. What can we achieve? Right. And manufacturing is such a huge proportion of our employment here in this community. Mm -hmm. But no, we're looking at how we can apply the same type of concepts and paths to other industries. In fact, health and human services is on our radar and that's where we're moving toward. Mm. Um, But manufacturing, there's still so many openings and we have a lot of great companies in this town that need the talent. And it's not just entry-level production-type work. We're looking at more skilled sets. Yeah, that was the other thing, uh, because I think sometimes people have this image in their mind of what manufacturing is, and you think blue-collar, standing on the line, you know, operating machine, you know, and sort of a repetitive rote type of uh, thing for eight hours a day. That is correct. Those jobs exist, and that is perfect for some people. Mm-hmm. And the jobs, though, that we're trying to fill with the apprenticeship program is much more on that um, fixing 
component. So the job we've really looked into it, dug into what do you do as a manufacturing technician? And it's preventive maintenance, which is like fixing your car. You know, you got to make sure you have the oil change and your tires rotated. There are machines that need those things fixed. But then when something goes down, uh, you have to use a lot of troubleshooting skills and problem solving skills. How do you talk to people, the the people on production and say, what happened? How do Mm -hmm. I fix this? It's pretty intensive and it takes a lot of thought and skill and tinkering yeah. to make the changes that need to happen. I, I'm thinking that years ago when more automated systems uh, came into the manufacturing realm, the narrative was because the question was, all this automation is going to pe- put people out of work. And the response was, no, it's just going to create different jobs. You're going to take uh, jobs away from those standing on the line doing the same thing for eight hours a day uh, and change those into different jobs. This is the manifestation of that. This is the manifestation of that because the new equipment can do a lot of really cool things and Mm -hmm. a lot of it's robotics and programming. Somebody has to tell the machine what to do and when to do it. And, and if fix it when it goes, when yeah. something goes wrong. And if there's a piece yeah. of quality, I mean, it could be off just the hundredth of a millimeter. Yeah. It's got to be fixed. Right. And somebody has to go in there and figure out how to do that. So who are we looking at for one of these apprenticeship opportunities? Is it typically, is it typically somebody who's just coming out of uh, high school, just entering the workforce or? It could be for anybody who is over the age of 18, has a high school diploma and meets the criteria to be enrolled at Owens Community College. We've had a whole breadth of people. We've had those who've been in the workforce and really said, you know what, I'm, it's time for me to step up. I want to do something different than what I have. And this is their opportunity to upskill. Mm-hmm. And then there are those who are fresh out of high school and are getting their foot in the door. And this is designed for anybody who is just looking to learn and is willing to be loyal to their company that's hired them and invest their time and energy into making that manufacturer the best it can be. So it is a two-year commitment? It is a two-year commitment for the education portion. And Mm -hmm. then the companies do expect you to stay on for at least two more years since they have invested the tuition side Mm -hmm. into developing you. And what is the application process? We mentioned there are still a handful of openings for this next apprenticeship program that's coming up. Yeah, we have six openings among those three manufacturers that I mentioned they, anybody can go to raisethebarhancock.org slash interest. That takes you to the Manufacturing Apprenticeship Interest form. You fill that out. It's simply like five questions. You check off which company you want to interview with. I forward that to those hiring managers, and then they start taking over and doing their standard interview process. So you do actually have some flexibility in signing up for the program as to where you end up. Absolutely. It has to be a fit for the company and for you. We don't want you to end up in a place that you're not happy because we know how that turns out for everybody. Especially, you know, when you're asking for a significant commitment. Correct. So there is flexibility. You self-select. You know, I say go into it with an open mind and select all of them and just go have that conversation and see which one's going to be the best fit because, Every company offers something different, different benefits, different pay starts, different um, environment and different work. And so it's worth going having each of those individual conversations. And the program starts, what, with the fall semester? Yeah. So, you know, applying now is very important. Coming close. Yes, because we only start this once a year. Classes would start, I think it's August 29th on the Owens-Finley campus. 
you take classes two days per week, and then the other three days per week, you're actually working for your company. Okay, so uh, now is the time to sign up for those. It is. Don't uh, miss your opportunity because we won't have it for a year again. Yeah. Uh, again, and it's earn while you learn. That's the best part. It's not out of your pocket. You're getting the training. You're getting the associate's degree. You're getting the uh, good, solid job. Yes. And again, they're paying you. Correct. They're paying you and for your degree. Good deal all the way around. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information. Again, uh, Trisha Velasco with us uh, this morning, uh, Executive Director, Raise the Bar, Hancock County. Trisha, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate thanks, Chris. it. 20 years of good mornings on WFIN. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Uh, did you hear this story? Two men were charged with smuggling three quarters of a million dollars worth of fentanyl in the U.S. were no-shows at their scheduled court hearing. And wait till you hear why. Now, these are bad dudes. Uh, they were smuggling $750,000 worth of fentanyl into the U.S. 25-year-old Jose Zendejas and Benito Madrigal, age 19, were caught uh, smuggling 100, roughly 150,000 fentanyl-laced pills from Mexico into Washington State. Uh, police also found two kilos of cocaine during a June traffic stop in California. Uh, the men were charged with four counts, including transporting fentanyl and transporting cocaine, both with the intent to sell. They were initially held on $1 million bail each, but after 18 hours, <laughs> the probation department de deemed them low risk. <laughs> low risk. Uh, and they were released on their own recognizance. <laughs> Mr. Zendejas and Mr. Madrigal promised to appear in court on Thursday, July 24, uh, 21st. But surprise, surprise, they were a no-show. Who couldn't have seen this coming? Apparently not the probation department there. And, uh, uh, Tulane... Tulare County, or Tulare County Sheriff uh, Mike Boudreaux is fuming. He said, I can't believe we had 150,000 fentanyl pills, one of the most dangerous epidemics facing our nation today, with people in custody that we may be potentially able to impact the future of this type of drug trafficking organization, and we let them go. <laughs> Tulare County District Attorney Tim Ward is equally mad as he was not alerted of the, res uh, of the release. He said the court's decision to let the pair go was extremely dangerous, adding this punishes law-abiding citizens. The suspects face a maximum of 14 years in prison if convicted on all charges, but that's only if they can find them. Their whereabouts are unknown at this time. Again, who could not, who couldn't have seen this coming? Who couldn't have seen this coming? Oh, boy. <clears throat> low risk. They call them low risk. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the broken news, uh, Joshua Larson 
Um, from Florida. I don't know where in Florida. I just know this is a another Florida story in the broken news, continuing a long, proud tradition. Joshua Larson called 911 late at night earlier this month because he wanted to report his girlfriend wanted some Sour Patch Kids. You know the candies? Sour Patch Kids? According to deputies, uh, Mr. Larson simply... Uh, smiled and walked away when law enforcement arrived. <laughs> he was then arrested for misusing 911 emergency services. Calling because your girlfriend craves Sour Patch Kids is not a legitimate use the 911 emergency service. Mr. Larson is now required to wear an alcohol monitor until his court date. <laughs> How did I... How did I not know that uh, some sort of intoxicating substance would be involved in that story? Uh, Some of the other uh, items from today's broken news report. This is a crazy story. You talk about a fish story. This is a fish story. Boaters in Massachusetts have a whale of a tail that's a bit more than they bargained for. Quite literally, a whale of a tail. The waters off of Plymouth, Massachusetts, were very busy Sunday morning when a Humpback whale breached the water and landed right on top of a boat. And these guys are out there boating, minding their own business, and suddenly a whale, a whale comes and lands on their boat. The incident caught on camera surprisingly left the 19-foot vessel with only light damage. This is a humpback whale. These are big fish. Or big mammals. I guess they are mammals, aren't they? Anyway, you get the idea. There were no injuries and the boat returned under its own power to port. The harbor master told local news reporters the boat was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or the right place at the wrong time. They've got a fish story to tell. That's crazy. You're just out there minding your own business, suddenly a humpback whale comes and lands on your boat. That's crazy. Uh... <laughs> From the international file, the broken news, you hear about this? Uh, the Moscow the Moscow Chess Open last week, they had an incident. Authorities now say that the chess-playing robot will now have to be reprogrammed after breaking the finger of a seven-year-old boy during a match. At the Moscow Chess Open, the boy went to make a move when the robot's mechanical arm grabbed his finger and clamped down. Fortunately, adults who were watching the whole thing happen rushed in to help free his hand from the robot. The president of the Moscow Chess Federation said the boy apparently rushed to move. uh, The boy apparently rushed to make his move before the robot was ready. (laughs) Yeah, blame the kid. Blame the kid. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. It... Russia if invading Ukraine is not bad enough. Now they got to uh, break the boys, uh, break the fingers of little kids. <laughs> what are they doing in Russia? My goodness. Uh, let's see. And uh, did you hear about this story? I guess this was last week in uh, Pennsylvania, outside of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Police shot a snake to death in order to save a man it was strangling. 
This was last Wednesday afternoon, I believe. Police officers were called to a home in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania, when a man, for a man in cardiac arrest with a snake wrapped around his neck. When officers arrived, the 28-year-old was lying on the floor unresponsive with the middle portion of a large snake wrapped around his neck. According to police, one of the officers was able to shoot the snake in its head without causing further injury to the man. And that's, that's a bold move. Right and not injure the not injure the victim, and uh, kill the snake after the gunfire wounded the snake. They were able to pull the man to safety. He was rushed to an area hospital. His condition unknown. Wow, what a crazy incident that must have been. Some pretty amazing moments. And how about this story? This also out of the international file. Spanish authorities seized a Picasso sketch worth worth more than $460,000 after a traveler tried to sneak it past customs at the airport. Uh, Immigrant, uh, an unnamed passenger traveling from Switzerland, arriving at the airport on the Spanish island of Ibiza, uh, tried to pass off the drawing as a copy that had no real value. But (laughs) so you've got an original Picasso sketch in your bag and you think, oh, nobody will will know. I'll just tell them it's a it's a copy and it's not worth anything. We'll sneak it past customs. Problem is he forgot to remove the invoice from the gallery from his luggage, which identified the work (laughs) as an original worth four hundred sixty thousand dollars. And the customs people said, whoa, wait a minute here. We got a problem. <laughs> Didn't really think that one through. There you go. Uh, some of the uh, odd and unusual uh, news items this morning. Today's broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loretta Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, So you remember the uh, old commercial, what would you do for a Klondike bar? People doing all kinds of uh, crazy things for their favorite ice cream treat. Well, a new survey (laughs) asked 2,000 U.S. adults about their favorite foods and what they would be willing to do for their favorite foods. Uh, More than half... 54% 54% said that they would do anything to enjoy their favorite foods. And that includes subjecting themselves to their worst fears if it meant free, unlimited access to their favorite food. Uh, 27% would uh, own up to their fear of public speaking. <laughs> they were able to enjoy their favorite food uh, anytime they want. Uh, public speaking. Uh, 26% thunder and lightning said that they would get over their fear of thunder and lightning. 25% would face their fear of heights. 25% 
that spiders and insects, their biggest fear that they would overcome for their favorite food. This is how much we love our food in this country. There's a one poll survey found that some people would be willing to give up vacation days or give up using social media to have free and unlimited access to their favorite food. I don't know that that would be that much. Of a, well, maybe the vacation thing, but giving up social media probably wouldn't be that much of a, uh, a stretch, at least not at first. Now, again, this is what they say they would do. They wouldn't didn't actually have to do that uh, because I think giving up social media would probably be easier said than done. But nonetheless, uh, some others said that they would do some crazy stunts for free, unlimited supply of their favorite food. Uh, 29% say that they would be willing to go skydiving. 27% said that they would run with the bulls in Pamplona. (laughs) And what are those top foods that we are willing to go to such great lengths to have an unlimited supply of? Pizza is named by 59% as their favorite food. Cheese, 55%. 55% said fried chicken. And another 55% said pasta. Uh, clearly, people uh, could uh, identify more than one favorite food. But here's what's crazy. 20% of the people in the survey say that they love their favorite food so much that they have actually picked it out of the trash can. You know. Ew! Heather Clough is here from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts to tell us what's happening as we head into a new month. Still plenty of summer stuff happening. Yeah. Actually, July was our quiet time, so yeah, it's <laughs> ramping up back for August. Yeah, uh, we've got, uh, well, we wrapped up the uh, Civic uh, Civic Concert Series uh, at the park on Wednesday evenings, and uh I, again, it was sort of an anticlimactic uh, conclusion with the uh, heat. Uh, you it know, was. It was so unfortunate. Yeah. I'm a heat lover, so I didn't even think about heat index. <laughs> and then people were like, it's probably too hot. I'm like, oh, yeah, it yeah, probably is. A little warm. <laughs> However, the Lunchtime Live uh, series uh, yes, continues. Yes, we have one more of, one those, more of those tomorrow. Okay. And it's featuring the Bridge Live duo. It starts at 1130 in the Waterfall Pavilion. And that stays nice and cool. You're right. And, uh, you know, that's... I. I I mention that because if if folks uh, don't realize, uh, I think in years past you've done those uh, downtown. Right? Yeah, the, on the in the alley yeah. there, the uh, Latham know. Courtyard. Yes, yeah. Latham Courtyard. Thank you. But we moved them last year to the park just for more spacing. Mm-hmm. But it's such a nice atmosphere. Yeah, it's the really, river right there. Yeah, and it's really really, really pretty. So uh, those are the last one is tomorrow. It's tomorrow, yes, okay. eleven thirty to one. Eleven thirty to one. All right. So uh, check that out. Uh, you have a couple of uh, uh, events uh, coming up here. One this week, yes. uh, Elliot Lewis is coming. Yeah, so a li- our Live at Arms series went monthly, so mm-hmm. every month we have one, and that's inside, and we're bringing Elliot Lewis back to Finley. He's got a big following. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, he plays with uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates, but he has a really outstanding solo career as well. Mm-hmm. This will be his second appearance with us in Finley, but I know he's been around town yeah. other places as he's well. He's a really great guy, too. Yes, he's, very. Uh, yeah. yeah, he books his own stuff, so like, I just email with him. I don't have to deal with an agent or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very down-to-earth guy uh, and, and really loves coming uh, here. He uh, does. I know he loves Finley, and yeah. he knows he's got a, a lot of fans yeah. here. So uh, that's uh, a show not to be missed, and that is coming up on Thursday. Thursday.
Thursday. Thursday of this evening. Week. Yep. Yeah. Live at Arms are mostly Thursday evenings. Okay. Uh, let's see here. A couple of other uh, shows as we head into uh, August. Uh, Tab Benoit. Uh, Benoit. Yep. Sorry. Benoit. I'm Correct sorry. you on me. air. That was my, rude. My, no, that's fine. <laughs> you would not be the first to do that. Uh, so that is coming up the that's, in early August. Yes, August 4th. Okay. Um, and he is a fantastic blues guy. Um, I've wanted to book him for my entire career and finally got him. I'm excited. And I've been talking to a lot of folks who go on the blues cruises, which is something else I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all coming just because they know how great he is. Okay. Just a it, really it, good electric blues. That is a, is that a main stage show? It's or? outside. That's going to be an yes. outside show. Yes. Okay. We have three outside shows in August. Okay. So uh, and they're at the Marathon Center? Yep. yep okay. Right in our lot there. The stage is set up right across against the building. Very and you cool. Can sit. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, so that is uh, on the 4th. You also have the Verve Pipe uh, yes. coming. A week know, later. Yep. And that's yeah. also outside. That's our second outside show. Mm-hmm. Um, great 90s band. I think The Freshman was probably right. their biggest hit. Yeah. Um, but they have a lot of great music. And they're regional. They're pretty close by. So they're running down. And uh, tickets are available uh, for those. It's, it's yes. an outdoor show but you still need tickets yes, right we still need okay. tickets yep and they're available at mcpa.org plenty okay. of tickets left because that parking lot holds a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> more than maybe what you think yeah absolutely uh, so. we did the math once and pre you know like not with covid restrictions mm-hmm. if it, we could get a couple thousand if they're in wow. there i'd so, love to do that <laughs> yeah uh so uh, get those tickets now for those shows you also have a uh, summer concert coming up for the findlay civic choir yes that's coming up in August as well. So we do, we host one or two of those a year and it's all community members. Um, and it, you know, it's based out of the University of Finley, but they perform on our stage and those shows are great. And they're always looking for singers too. Maybe not for this concert. It might be a little close, but they do yeah. a Christmas concert. Okay. Very cool. So uh, again, some of the uh, highlights that are coming up in the uh, month of August, uh, anything else specifically for August? I guess I know from there, then we're also looking at, uh, the, the new season. Yes. So. But we have our last, uh, outside concert with children's singer, Lori Berkner. Okay. And frankly, that's the best seller so far. People are really excited to hear Lori Berkner, and that's the end of August. Okay, so uh, again, all of those tickets are on sale yes. now, and we turn our attention to the uh, to the new season. New season. I think we mentioned that uh, the last time you were here, but for the benefit of those who haven't heard, uh, tell us about the uh, series of shows. Yes, we have a great series. We kick off in November with um, Rock of the 70s, featuring the Guess Who, Atlanta Rhythm Section, couple of other bands that i can't remember off the top of my head yeah (laughs) but they're the real bands they're not cover bands Mm -hmm. um and they're all touring together and then we have johnny mathis the uh, christmas show the christmas show december 1st and that is actually very close to selling out so if you want to see johnny mathis christmas in finley buy your tickets not a surprise yeah Yeah, there's gonna be uh good sellers yeah and then in february we have two broadway shows so we're bringing fiddler on the roof that's the new touring production of that Mm -hmm. and um r-e-s-p-e-c-t the aretha franklin musical is oh okay very cool um now uh the oh you mentioned fiddler uh, on the roof i want to mention fiddler because uh folks very familiar with that but this is sort of a uh an updating a reimagining of, uh, of that? A little I, bit. So it's it's traditional. It's a traditional staging. However, right. they um, included a little Yiddish. They tried to make it a little more culturally okay. a, a, a relevant. I, I was thinking about that, and, and I remember seeing the, the latest touring production of Les Mis that I saw in Columbus was an updated, I mean, it was same show, but it was kind of updated, right. and this is kind of the same it type is. of thing. It is. It's sort of like what they did okay. with West Side Story, where they um, made okay. it bilingual. 
Okay. They're just right. sort of respecting the tradition a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, so that'll be uh, really cool. So even if you, the reason I bring that up, even if you've seen, oh, I've seen Fiddler thousands of times, this is probably something new uh, that you have. It is, yeah. And it's touring with two of the people that were nominated for the Tony for the wow. uh, when it was on Broadway. Yeah. So this is a great uh, uh, one, again, not to be missed. Um, and those are the main stage those shows. Are the main stage shows. You also have a number of really cool family series we uh, do, shows. We do, yeah. We start in late November, right before December, uh, with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's my favorite Christmas special. I don't mm-hmm. know about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then January, we're doing a really fun production with Step Africa. And they are African step dancers. Okay. Um, it's an incredible show. We're doing a school day performance and then an early evening performance for families. Okay. Um, and then we wrap it up with Winnie the Pooh. The Winnie the Pooh, uh, it, that's a musical, isn't it? It is a yeah. musical, yeah. yeah. Yep. With new music. That's going to be an, an awful lot of fun. I, again, last year, and I think I mentioned this last time you were here, uh, my wife and I went to the uh, Charlie Brown right. uh, musical last year. And again, geared toward families, but it's great for all ages. Oh, yeah, so, I'm encouraging I mean, everybody to come Who to doesn't love shows. Winnie the Pooh? Exactly. I mean, the same thing with Rudolph, too. Yeah, so. grew now, up watching it. Uh, mention all of those because you have some special deals for folks who want to buy the uh, tickets to either just the main stage series or both yes right so if you buy both main stage and family series you get 20 percent off i will say because johnny mathis is selling out that if you want to do that you should do it soon because yeah. pretty soon you won't be able to get the full package right but if you buy just main stage or just family you still get 15 percent off so a good deal and how do folks get those deals yep so there's um if you go to our website there are codes um it's like season 23 and series 23, I okay. think, to get the deals. Okay. They're on our website. Or you can give us a call. We're open 11 to 5, Monday through Friday. And, of course, sing, uh, single show tickets are also on yes, sale now yeah. as well. Just come see Fiddler if you'd like. There you go. We've got the link up on our webpage for more information all of the uh, stuff going on. Still a lot of stuff this summer uh, to enjoy uh, in and around the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. And uh, then, of course, we're looking ahead to the uh, main stage and family series kicking off here very soon. Again, uh, Heather Clow with us, the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Heather, thanks very much. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, Findlay City School students return to class in exactly four weeks. Now's the time that preparations for the new academic year really kick into high gear. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.